0: Hello and welcome back to the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Carney, and I'm an outdoor and environmental writer and author of the book, Outdoor Minimalist, Waste Less Hiking, Camping, and Backpacking. Follow the link in the description to pre-order a copy of the book so you'll be the first to receive it on the date of September 1st, 2022. The Outdoor Minimalist Podcast has a goal to give listeners actionable ways to waste less hiking, camping, backpacking, and more during every step of their process. Your impact outdoors starts long before you hit the trail and goes beyond leave no trace ethics. You'll learn how to identify sustainable outdoor brands, how to ask hard questions regarding sustainability, and begin to shift and evolve your mindset to integrate minimalism into all of your outdoor pursuits. In this episode of the Outdoor Minimalist podcast, we will be discussing a hot topic that any part of the sustainability and zero waste movement will be familiar with, single use plastics. Since this is such I don't know, a hot hot button issue and one so many consumers and manufacturers seem to care about. It felt right to introduce ways to eliminate single-use plastic use within the outdoor industry. I want to clarify that in this specific episode, we'll be discussing the use of plastics more on the production side of things and less on the consumer side. I'll have another interview lined up discussing ways to eliminate single-use packaging waste when backpacking, so be on the lookout for that episode, but for this one, we're thinking a little bit bigger picture, manufacturer side, where is single-use plastic being eliminated there? So to help me expand on this topic, I had the pleasure of talking to Stephen Reinhold. Stephen has worked in the outdoor industry for over a decade. He began his outdoor career with Big City Mountaineers Summit for Someone program, where he guided and recruited fundraising climbers whose efforts supported BCM's wilderness mentoring programs. Stephen has been an ambassador for multiple outdoor brands and currently serves as Backpacker Magazine's official brand ambassador. He created an online sensation, hashtag trash tag, a social media based cleanup effort which went viral in 2019 and has been used over 100 million times worldwide. Stephen also founded the Appalachian Adventure Company, which has strong guiding roots, but has since grown into a formidable media marketing and consulting company, which works closely with organizations like Black Folks Camp 2, Leave No Trace, and Southern Environmental Law Center. All right, so thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Stephen. I've been looking forward to connecting again and talking about the topic of single use plastics. Before we jump into it, though, can you tell me a little bit more about how you got involved in outdoor recreation, your role in the outdoor industry, and kind of why the topic of single use plastic waste has become such an important issue in your life?
1: Yeah, for sure, Meg. Thanks for having me. Uh, As as you noted, my name is Stephen Reinhold, and I've worked in the outdoor industry for a little bit over a decade now. Um, I kind of Uh, began my career with an organization called Big City Mountaineers. Um, I helped uh, recruit and fundraise for their Summit for Someone program to uh, help raise money for their uh, wilderness mentoring trips that they took uh, inner city kids on. I've had quite a few different roles uh, within the outdoor industry. Like I said, that was kind of my my entry point to that. And from that experience, I started up my own guiding company in North Carolina. It's called the, the Appalachian Adventure Company. That company has since transitioned over to a little bit more of a a media marketing consulting type group and work with a few different organizations but I think uh, maybe one of the things that I kind of uh, am most known for or gained a little bit of acclaim for was that I started the hashtag trash tag cleanup a few years ago and that was a, uh, a social media cleanup effort where I uh, asked people to use their social media to pick up trash and, and post pictures of it and it went uh, viral in 2019 and kind of went all over the world and saw great success thanks to a lot of uh, uh, a lot of hard work and posts from a lot of different people and Uh, That kind of leads me into, uh, you know, like you said, why I'm here, why I'm interested in uh, waste created within the outdoor industry, in particular uh, single use plastics and and helping trying to eliminate those. But, uh, you know, I've always been uh, a a fan of the environment, always been a fan of outdoor recreation, and uh, it's good to be able to finally kind of blend those two endeavors together.
0: Yeah, I think that they are very related. So I think it's really cool that you are kind of combining those two passions. And Stephen and I first connected about the Trash Tag Challenge, so that's kind of interesting, but um, would you be able to explain a little bit more about that challenge in particular, and kind of how people can get involved, and what it is, and just what you do with it, basically?
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So in 2016, I was on a road trip from North Carolina out to California. Uh, We were in a place uh, just north of Lone Pine, California, and I had a, a receipt from a Pretty much a frivolous gear binge at a, at a gear store it blew out my window on this road trip and i was i was devastated by it and i immediately pledged to pick up a uh, hundred pieces of trash to to you know atone for that accidental uh, littering accident and uh so i started doing so i was continuing this road trip going to a lot of different uh, national parks in, in california idaho wyoming and uh, along the way i started picking up trash and i, I realized there was always trash at these really 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 pretty locations you know all the famous overlooks or uh, even as you hiked out into the backcountry right you'd find a granola wrapper here and there and it just kind of began to to strike me how you know how pervasive our trash problem was you know if there were these uh, pieces of trash way out in the backcountry you know it was just a a terrible occurrence right it kind of ruined the outdoor experience for me and so I wanted to do something to uh, to kind of shift the tides a little bit right and about the time I had reached that hundredth piece of of trash I was in uh, Jackson Hole Wyoming I reached down to, to pick it up. I'll never forget. It was a, a Nature Valley granola bar on the side of a, of a really pretty lake there. And I had the idea for Trash Tag, right? So it's, it's a very simple idea. Essentially, only changed two letters from Hashtag, right, and, and turned it into Trash Tag. But the idea was to uh, have other people encourage them to pick up trash on their adventures and post it to their social media so they could encourage their friends and followers to do that. And the way I figured out how to, uh, to link everybody together was through the Hashtag Trash Tag. So it started off. It uh, uh, had a, an outdoor gear company, Yuko Gear, helped me partner with it the uh, the first couple of years, and we set a set a goal to pick up ten thousand pieces of trash, and uh, we did pretty well those first couple of years. Got about uh, maybe thirty thousand pieces of trash or so in the first uh, couple of years. So it was a, it was a great success. But then in two thousand nineteen, uh, a man named Byron Roman in Arizona, he made a post of a of a young gentleman from Algeria who had picked up some trash, and that particular post went viral. Uh, trash tag was uh, connected to it and in particular a trash tag challenge. And it went all over the world kind of uh, further than I ever had imagined. I think the, the big kind of audacious goal at the very start was to get you know a, a million people to pick up a trash tag and I thought that would have been incredible. And uh, t- to this day the last I heard was that some folks that are actually able to, to run the numbers on, on such things estimated that there had been over a 100 million uses of trash tag uh, across the world. And so it's it's really cool, you know, it's a, I think it's a gateway to conservation, it's about the easiest thing you can do, right, you can pick up a single piece of trash, post it to your social media, uh, and encourage your friends and followers to do the same, uh, it's really fun, again, it's just, it's super easy, right, it's kind of like the, the first thing you can do, and once you make that step to, to pick up and post a trash tag, uh, it's amazing how you kind of find yourself going down other ways to, you know, reduce your impact, and find other ways to conserve and protect the planet.
0: Yeah, I really like that. It's positive use of social media, I would say. And yeah, like a gateway basically into other sustainable practices and a good conversation starter. If you're out hiking or something and someone sees you picking Mm -hmm. up trash or even your social media followers kind of see that, it can be pretty inspiring. So that's really awesome.
1: For sure. You know, I found so many people tell me, uh, oh, that's great. I already pick up trash. I've, I've always done that. You know, I've always always take a bag with me and I think that's amazing. Like there's so many people out there and, and trash tag is just kind of the way for everybody to connect and inspire others to do that. Like you said, it's a a positive movement on social media. I'd kinda uh, grown a little bit tired at the time of seeing all kinds of different challenges, and I think it was like the Tide Pod Challenge was hot at the time, right? Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was good to see, uh, you know, the power, the positivity of, of social media being in use there. We don't quite get that very often. But I mean, you're literally connected to every single person in the world, and you know it's a, it's a good it's a good tool to use to connect and conserve for sure.
0: So, would you say that was kind of your launching point into? melding sustainable practices in the outdoor industry for you? Or when did that kind of begin?
1: Yes, certainly. That was definitely the the, the launching point for that. Um, like I mentioned, I've been a, a kind of an athlete ambassador for a few different companies, and and that's absolutely wonderful. But, you know, I think the, the outdoor industry in particular, it seems to, to care. Uh, in particular, it seems to care about the planet. I know we have a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of waste issues, you know, single-use plastics, um, even just the materials that we use to uh, for all of our gear uh, in general, right? We've got a, a big issue with that. But it seems to be an industry that, that really cares, um, and that was kind of uh, what always drew me to the outdoor industry is I've always been kind of a, a passionate person and wanted to pursue passionate endeavors. And uh, So it's been wonderful. You know, recently I've uh, started being able to work with Leave No Trace, some um, organizations like National Cleanup Day. and. Uh, finding a lot of these different organizations that that are out there and uh, again, trash tag is just kind of like the the most simple way to connect everybody through that right? I, d- I did not reinvent the wheel I literally only changed two letters from hashtag right so that, like, every, every, everybody can recognize it it's like uh, what you call it? it's translated pretty much across all languages and I think that's been one of the uh, the reasons it's been so well received and widespread
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think you're right that there are In the community of the outdoor industry, there is a lot of people that care and they feel really galvanized towards uh, sustainability and environmental change. But obviously, there is still some work to do, which is why you have to pick up trash sometimes when you're out hiking or paddling, whatever you're doing. But... For this conversation, I don't necessarily want to focus on the consumer waste of things. I think it would be interesting to talk a little bit more about what you know regarding um, single-use plastics in manufacturing and that waste in the outdoor industry, because that's often very separate from the consumer. Yeah,
1: for sure. You know, it's a, it's interesting again, right? It's uh, it's something that the consumer doesn't see very much, right? It's not uh, forward-facing, right? So essentially, every piece of gear that you've ever bought. Was packaged in a single-use poly bag. Uh, you know, if you get if you get those items delivered online, you know they're going to come in that very thin plastic bag. But uh, if even if you shop at a retail store, right, they received those pieces of gear in a very thin poly bag, right. And so that in particular is is a huge problem, right. I mean, uh, you think about the strange juxtaposition there of this this gear that's made to withstand any and everything, right, that you're going to beat up and go rock climbing in and roll around in the dirt in, but for some reason it has to be shipped in a a thin poly bag that's very very difficult to recycle up until you know recently it wasn't even a uh, an option and so that was kind of one of those dirty things that was you know pushed to the side and um, i remember seeing a uh, a picture in particular it was from a, a company named prana and they had received a huge shipment at one of their stores and they went and stocked everything and they sent the picture to one of their their higher ups and said what do you expect us to do with all of this plastic and it was really one of those like just poignant moments right this like 10 foot high pile of plastic in the back of the store there and the and the you know the employees left wondering what they could do with it right and if you imagine the size of the outdoor industry right we're approaching like a a trillion dollar industry there's hundreds of millions of people all over the world that uh, are into the adventure and outdoor lifestyle right and so think about how many like billions if not trillions of these poly bags have been created through our essentially our want to go on adventures, right? And so it's this very, very strange uh, juxtaposition again of like a, uh, an industry that really prides itself on being eco-friendly. That's very, very forward-facing, right? Everybody's always uh, bragging about and talking about whatever initiatives they're, uh, they're pushing at the time, how they're trying to be more and more eco-friendly. Uh, and we have this really kind of, you know, looming but untold problem in the background with these poly bags. And so one of the neat the things that I really, really like to talk about is that a few years ago in 2019, a good friend and, and person I referred to as my woman tour, uh, Kristen Hostetter, she started something called the Plastic Impact Alliance with her uh, company, the Outside Business Journal. And this Plastic Impact Alliance, it started out as a way to get, essentially, organizations to not use any single-use plastics at the 2019 Outdoor Retailer Show. Uh, there was a re- always... a uh, you know, problem of using plastic water bottles, straws, uh, all the items came in these poly bags, right? And so she got together, uh, started a coalition. It started out with uh, just a few companies, but they pledged, they signed this plastic impact promise and decided to not use any single-use plastics at this trade show. Kind of blossomed, right? The idea took off The uh, essentially the realization of some of the problems that we had and that we could uh, possibly get together and kind of crowdsource and share information about how to, uh, you know, eliminate these, these poly bags from the, the manufacturing stream there. It, it kind of came together. Now it's blossomed, right? Now it's a coalition of over 420 organizations and companies that have signed this that have pledged to reduce or eliminate single-use plastic from their entire corporation, right? And I think that's a amazing. It's a great way to show kind of like the, the power of positivity again, right, of uh, how connected we are in this industry that everybody can kind of share their way. So for, for example, within that Plastic Impact Alliance, organizations like Prana are in there. And Prana has uh, decided to completely eliminate single-use plastics from their entire company, right? And so they share that information with the other uh, companies in the Alliance. They're able to, everybody's kind of able to, you know, feed off that energy, feed off of those ideas. They have a super cool program going on right now uh, in Boulder, Colorado. And on Pearl Street, which if you're familiar with Boulder, Colorado, Pearl Street's kind of like the uh, the outdoor mall. and It's got all the really cool outdoorsy shops, right? Your Patagonia, uh, Himalaya, Steel, all the kind of the staples there, right? And they have gotten together and started this program called the EcoCycle, where they go around and they actually collect all of the poly bags from all 10 of these different organizations on Pearl Street and Boulder. They take them to outside inc which is the headquarters it's the uh, the media owner of outside business journal which helped start the plastic impact alliance and so they're bringing all these poly bags in this EcoCycle company is recycling the poly bags they're turning them into trex decking which is kind of like an alternative to wood decking for your uh, for your house which is you know super super cool initiative there Um, but they're able to kind of measure how many poly bags they have. They're able to create a model that could be scaled, that could also be replicated in other areas. And again, they're really doing this kind of uh, to, to raise awareness to the amount of poly bags that we have in the, the marketing or in the you know, merchandise stream within the outdoor industry. And again, I think that's a, that's a super important thing because up until two or three years ago, right before my, I joined the Plastic Impact Alliance with, with my company, the Appalachian Adventure Company, that never occurred to me, right? I would order a Patagonia jacket that was you know, environmentally friendly. It was made out of recycled material. It was you know, dyed properly, all these things. But then it would come in a plastic bag that I would just discard and throw away, even though it said recycle on it, because I knew there was nowhere around here that would recycle that, right? Essentially, those uh, plastic bags would actually wreak havoc within the, the current recycling stream, because it can cause damage to a lot of the uh, machinery and, and kind of gone those up so that, that thought never occurred to me right it was just something that was kind of out of sight out of mind um, but now that I think about it like somewhere out there again there's like billions if not trillions of these poly bags that our jackets our backpacks our sleeping bags our tents you know have come in collectively over the years and and that's kind of hard to stomach uh, again from a from an industry that prides itself on being environmentally friendly it prides itself on uh, protecting the places that we play so to speak. So it's important for me to help bring that to light because, you know, so many times I think forward-facing the outdoor industry, we protect public lands, right? Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't do as much good. It's very narrow-sided, right, to protect Yosemite, but like to destroy Vietnam through our consumption, right? Or whatever other country you want to insert there that's uh, producing and manufacturing a lot of those, those hard goods for the outdoor industry, right? So it needs to Uh, not just be thought of as you know from a land conservation standpoint it needs to be from our entire impact and and honestly that's one of the reasons i'm so excited that you kind of started the uh you know the outdoor minimalist mindset and the the theory behind that right because i mean that 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 impact could be i mean you could translate that to so many things right let's talk about like boiling a bag meals right dehydrated meals that come in those mylar bags that are essentially around forever right well if you go on a, a cool backpacking trip that's three three nights long and you eat Ten meals out of those bags, you know, there's there's ten pieces of trash that are going to be around essentially infinitely, right, way past your lifetime, and this impact that you have created to go out and just enjoy the outdoors, right? And again, it's very it's very easy to kind of be out of sight, out of mind, right? Mm-hmm. To just assume that's a an impact, but uh, I don't know. It interests me to think of uh, you know possibly like a like a zero impact backpacking trip. How how cool would that be, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in everything that well you've said. kind of just said. <laughs> Sorry,
1: yeah, I, r- I rambled uh My name's Ramblin' Reinhold, as you can tell. there. <laughs> oh, oh brilliant.
0: That is such a good nickname. <laughs> um, but I kind of want to like uh, uh, reel it in for a second here. All right. And I think, I mean, there's a lot of validity. validity, obviously, to everything that you're saying. And something that kind of is sticking out to me is kind of like, yeah, that out of sight, out of mind thing. But when we're talking about any type of consumer good or any type of plastic, um, anything that is labeled, that it can be recycled. So oftentimes if you receive a package, um, it'll have a little recycling symbol on there. Um, But with the poly bags, like, like you're saying, a lot of consumers aren't even aware quite yet that that can't be recycled in the recycling facility that they would try to send it to so this initiative kind of like removes that and something that i'm kind of wondering because i did some research with the um Mm -hmm. the plastic impact alliance but it seems like it would be easier to remove that direct to consumer packaging versus the from the manufacturer Mm -hmm. packaging to the company does that make sense
1: yeah, for, for sure. And, you know, I think that that's certainly part of that uh, alliance, right? It's, it's uh, Again, it's essentially a, a way to create this alliance and uh, figure out ways to reduce it on, on all steps, right? I think reducing it from the, the manufacturers is key. But um, on there as well, you know, several companies have uh, removed those poly bags from their packaging to consumers. They've started things like, uh, you know, rolling their T-shirts, tying them with twine, uh, switching to uh, kind of like e- more easily recycled Craft papers, uh, that that Prana company in particular, uh, it was a new product I believe called Glassine paper. Uh, It was a new product I hadn't seen before, but it's uh, essentially just a a more easily recycled kind of weatherproof type of bag that's that's paper based. Um, But again, you know, this, like you said, there's a lot to unpackage there, right? I mean, even the even the impact of, of getting something shipped as opposed to you know getting it from your uh, you, you know, your local gear store, right? But t- to me, in anything, like if, if you're trying, you're winning, right? It's, it's like virtually impossible to, to leave no trace completely as you can't. But if you're trying, you're winning, right? If you're trying to kind of like self-analyze and see if you can take things, you know, out of your impact and, you know, make it just a little, a little better than I think you're winning there.
0: Yeah, that's why I always struggle with the terminology of zero waste, because really all yeah. we can do is minimize our waste. Or minimize mm-hmm. our impact, and that's kind of what this alliance appears to be doing. Other than those poly bags, which obviously are a large issue, in, even outside of the outdoor industry, um, are there other types mm-hmm. of plastic that they're kind of focusing on or trying to remove?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think the 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 heart of it again was to reduce single use plastic at uh, retailer shows in the outdoor industry. For those of you familiar or, or not familiar with the outdoor industry, right? There's a Several shows per year. One of the main ones is the Outdoor Retailer. Um, historically, it was in Salt Lake City. It's it's since moved to Denver. Um, but at those trade shows, you know, people would get uh, bottles of water. They would have uh, plastic cups for happy hours. You know, just these little things that would add up, right? And so, the the original theory of it was to completely reduce these single use plastics from the Outdoor Retailer show and these other retail shows. And so, at those shows, they've started uh, companies that are within the alliance. They host water refill stations they give access to uh, very affordable reusable water bottles and so that's really cool to me because it's very forward-facing right it's got the uh, you got the plastic impact alliance logo out there and it it lets you see that people are attempting to do this right it's not that big of a uh, you know collective debt in the problem you know they might get 500 or a thousand water bottles saved per show but being forward-facing like that and having everybody you know, seeing that and inspiring them to think, well, what is it within my life or within my company that I could do to help remove some of this plastic and particularly single-use plastic? Um, so again, it's, it's as you can tell, right? Like based on like the Trash Tag Project, I'm I'm really big into inspiring others for them to act on their own behalf, right? I think that's that's huge yeah. because I always tell people to to dream big because their idea of remo- of like eliminating waste might be thousands of times more complex and out there than, than my, you know, simple idea of removing just a poly bag is. So um, that, that's kind of, again, you know, the biggest thing is to just get them, uh, get them through the gateway and get them on the the team that's trying to uh, reduce waste on the front end.
0: Yeah. And oftentimes I think it can feel kind of hopeless as like an individual change in, mm-hmm. in today's era of sustainability and environmental chaos. But that conversation piece I think is really important. And it seems like this new alliance that is kind of forming in the outdoor industry is not only really effective but it also is a good conversation starter for people in the industry to kind of look really critically Mm -hmm. at some of the small items that would like pile up and the smaller things that are easier to change instead of having to change everything all at once it kind of like builds on itself
1: yes yes for sure for sure you know these little Little innovations here and there, you know, greatly help. I mean, earlier I mentioned, uh, you know, like the dehydrated meals and the, the bags that those historically come in, right? In, in particular, there's a company out right now, Evergreen Adventure Foods, that is kind of making its mark by using 100% biodegradable bags for that. They've kind of, you know, figured out some new technology that uh, allows the food to stay good and uh, allows the bag to be biodegradable. And I think that's huge, right? Essentially, they've eliminated their impact from that uh, organization for their entire future which is, is incredible right some other other ones that come to mind you know I' mentioned this one to you before was uh, uh no so patches super super cool mm-hmm. company right they uh, uh, they allow you to kind of repair your your gear your I mean your tents your backpacks your your clothes your puffies all of that stuff but they make these like really cool customizable patches that, that add a whole lot of style to your gear but I mean think about this right if if we change what they're doing essentially is making it cool to have gear that is repaired right you kind of collectively shift this mindset of things having to be brand new and shiny to uh you know taking it being like a a point of pride to have some some scratches and some some cuts in your in your clothing right and and maybe repaired with a cool patch so uh just all, all these little things add up again i think in particular the outdoor industry is is a trendsetter right everybody everybody loves how cool it is to be a part of the outdoor lifestyle, right? It's one of the, if you look on social media, it's, it's everywhere, right? I mean, it's absolutely everywhere. And so it's definitely a trendsetter. So when uh, little companies or big companies make these moves, people see that, right? And it's, it's becomes like a, like a trickle down effect. And yeah, I think there's a lot of good initiatives, a lot of good different organizations, a lot of good, you know, products out there, Um, but just being able to get those out to everybody and, uh, educate everybody on them is key
0: yeah one thing that i think is really interesting about this plastic alliance is that it seems to be a lot of big names that are that are kind of mm-hmm. jumping into it and i think that's really impactful because it seems like a lot of in a lot of my research and in writing the outdoor minimalist book i noticed that sometimes it seemed like smaller companies were doing a lot of the heavy lifting when it came to sustainable practices. So looking at some of these larger companies like Prana and Patagonia that are kind of like paving the way for smaller companies and giving them like new options and Mm -hmm. new packaging material ideas and making the consumer think more critically because they have the bandwidth to market sustainability, whereas a smaller company wouldn't necessarily be able to market it as widely. And so I think that that is very impactful. So what are some other resources that you're aware of in your experience in the outdoor industry? Because you're kind of involved in a lot of different ways. Do you know, uh, you mentioned a few other companies that are kind of creating new innovations like the no so patches, but are there other resources out there that you can think of for other smaller companies to kind of start working on?
1: Yeah, for sure. Honestly, there's, uh, gosh, there's all kinds of stuff out there going on. Uh, one of the, I guess this would be more of a consumer uh, way, way for that, but one of the coolest things that I've heard of recently is a, a group out of Colorado called Rerouted. Um, actually, I recently did a, uh, a podcast with them as well but they're making it super super easy to uh you know to essentially connect people that want to uh sell their used gear um and i think that's super cool and it creates a little bit more of a uh, of a circular economy uh, again i think it adds an allure to have a you know a, a jacket or a tent that's got a a story with it so i think that's super cool you know there's the kind of like the bigger ones like reprieve and recover that are uh, making their you know recycled recycled fabrics from from polyesters and Uh, from plastics, which are, you know, I think that's pretty cool. I do know that there's, gosh, I can name like three or four different companies that use that material so that they can make, so that their clothing is recycled. Um, So I think, you know, that's, that's a good way to look at it that, you know, somebody provides a material or provides a a product that other companies can use that, you know, a lot of folks will, a lot of folks will use those like more eco-friendly options if they are available. And it kind of, honestly, what you said earlier was brilliant about, you know, being consumer driven, right? Because it is this, this big, huge thing, right? You look at those, uh, you know, a company like Patagonia, right? And how it's, it's consumers and it's, you know, constituency, just like demand products that are a little bit better, right? That take care of the environment or, or don't have as big of an impact on it. And, you know, so that's, that's certainly driven that company. Um, And then obviously, you know, that company, you know, driven by Yvon Chouinard has, has helped drive the consumers by giving them options to get more eco-friendly products. So, it just it it continues to drive each other but i'm a firm firm believer that you know consumers control the market and that's like the that's just the number one thing right so you know you mentioned earlier it's really hard to think well what can i do as an individual and you might not ever do something that's going to be kind of like heard around the world a little bit right The, the trash tag thing was a very very fortunate and lucky just yeah just quite honestly lucky endeavor that that happened to go so far right so don't don't aim to do that, but just aim to, you know, to make an impact or to reduce your impact on your end. And that goes a long way because collectively, when all of us are doing that stuff, like right, collectively, all of us are buying products that we know are environmentally friendly, that the, the company, we know that the company, you know, focuses on that because we are tied into their marketing. Right. And so, so just doing that and like voting with your dollar essentially is is, is pretty big.
0: Yeah, that collective effort is a huge deal. And when you can kind of get into that mindset, I think it kind of does help shape your daily behaviors and your consumption patterns. But I'm also really glad that you brought up in this episode talking about single-use plastics, the idea of buying used gear or even, I guess you didn't bring this up, but renting gear too is also an option because when you buy used gear, you're already skipping the need of that single-use plastic. And you're also skipping the need for any virgin materials to be pulled out. So that is often a more sustainable pattern to have versus, like, always opting to buy something brand new because you're eliminating single-use along the way then.
1: Yeah, and again, that's kind of one of those dirty dirty little secrets about the outdoor industry, right? Like, every single year, the gear's got to get just a little bit better, right? A little more waterproof or, like, tenth of an ounce lighter, and right? So we have to, like, constantly get this uh, you know what's new, what's next, right? And that creates a lot of an impact. Um, you know, it's I don't guess that that's ever going to stop, right? People are always going to want what's new, the the, the best technology. Build. Just like you were saying, right? If we can create an outlet to easily get these items to folks that you know maybe want to just go camping for the first time, right? And they don't need a twenty thousand dollar tent right they just want <laughs> they just want a uh, you know a tarp or you know an easy tent and being able to create these avenues for people to to get that to each other and like you said renting too that's uh that's huge imagine this in your head right imagine how many tents and sleeping bags are sitting in closets right of people that were like we're gonna go camping and they went camping and they didn't necessarily like it and so it just sits there forever right like I, I think that story Is probably repeated millions of times across the world. And one thing, one other thing I've noticed too through the Trash Tag project is cheap gear tends to be the gear that's like left behind. There's one particular brand I want to reach out to them honestly. I I swear I'm gonna do this one day that I'm gonna uh, Ozark Trail. It's like the Walmart brand. I see that stuff. I see that stuff left more than anything, right? And I feel like so people treat it like a single use camping item, which is terrible, right? But Here's the thing, right, if, if that company, to me, right, if I work for that company and I'm in the marketing department, it's like people think our gear is trash. They literally leave it behind, right? So what can I do to change that? Well, maybe on the packaging I should put, you know, do not leave this gear behind. Make sure you pack in what you pack out right or like educate folks about protecting the outdoors because, again, as a, as a company, how terrible does it look for your gear to be the one that's left behind at campsites, right? Like it's a disposable thing. Anyways, I, I digress there, but that, that's an interesting thought to me, right, of, like, again, how a consumer could possibly uh, help drive the market and, and change the company um, by just letting them know um, what's, what's going on with their stuff.
0: That is really interesting to think about, that it would be treated as disposable. I guess I haven't necessarily seen that as often, but maybe I'm not going into, like, as crowded of spaces or something. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Things
1: are different in different places, right? I'm, I'm in the southeast, and, uh, you know, we have a, a particular... Uh, constituency, I guess, might shop at Walmart, and we got a lot of uh, easy access places, and that just seems to be the thing, right? I uh, can't tell you how many times I've picked up like entire camping setups, and you know, somebody, whether somebody maybe got bad weather in the middle of the night and decided to uh, to bail, but. Uh, it just always seems to I don't see people leaving behind Patagonia puffies or Hilleberg tents. Yeah, or, that's true. or anything like that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess if I'm lo- looking back to the time that I lived in North Carolina, there everywhere you go, like everything is a little more compact yeah. than it would be in the West. Like there's less there's less wide open spaces. Like still obviously wild spaces to explore, but it seems like there's like more people using them.
1: This is very, very true. But other
0: than <laughs> other than um, kind of some of the things that we already talked about, like polybags or those the food bags you're talking about mm-hmm. are there any other big waste streams that you see in the outdoor industry it's a huge question so like <laughs> don't feel obligated to like think of every single one but maybe some more related to single use items
1: <laughs> well uh, i think a lot of them become single use people don't really intend on it uh, but honestly the the overland community i am very interested by the insatiable need to add gear and items and stuff to a to the camping setup right i'm kind of amazed sometimes by just how much stuff people can pack into a van and you know it's interesting i guess if you're living out of the van that's one thing but like you know if you're just traveling around you know that that's really creating quite the impact there right to have this uh uh, adventure vehicle with all these different things to be you know scooting around from instagram place to instagram place taking pictures and and things of that nature so i think i could uh certainly be an interesting topic to to think about right of you know what all do we actually need for adventure and again that just goes back to like these inherent kind of like problems within the the outdoor industry of i mean quite honestly you don't really need more than a, a sleeping bag and a tarp to camp right i mean that quite literally that's about all you need right but we can we continuously talk ourselves into needing so many different things and and uh Certainly, it adds up a little bit.
0: Yeah, it is really interesting to think about how different sectors of the outdoor industry maybe um, handle waste streams or marketing and things like that. And the overland totally. community is not one that I'm very familiar with. I should research more about it and learn more about it, definitely.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know the RV industry too. Um, you know, RVs aren't particularly uh, known to be to last forever, right? So you know, uh, to me, that's one of the big things. We, If you look into the design of a product, and you can design it to last forever, I think that's huge. I recently started working with a company called Limmer Boots, and they make these incredible leather boots, right? And so when you say leather, it might be, people might think, oh, that's not environmentally friendly. Well, in actuality, this company, right, these boots, some people have them last for like 30 plus years, because one, they're very, very durable. Two, they are re right? So you can put a new sole on it when uh when it wears out so i mean if you start to think about it you know one pair of boots for 30 years as opposed to one pair of boots per year for 30 years right if you think about that impact you put a pile like 30 pairs of boots made from all these textiles next to one pair of leather boots it's it's something to think about right because essentially designing a product that will last forever is about the most eco-friendly thing that any company can do
0: yeah instead of planning in any type of obsolescence, you want to encourage mm-hmm. that repairability and the durability, but it also is important to teach the consumer how to take care of that item. Like not everyone knows how to care for a leather mm-hmm. boot, Certainly. so it maybe wouldn't last as long. Certainly. Well, I feel like um, we kind of unpacked a lot of interesting ideas and topics in this episode. So uh, with that, are there ways that listeners can find you and the Appalachian Adventure Company?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, Instagram is my, my main jam right now. And uh, As you may have guessed, like I said, you know, my, my personal handle is Ramblin' Reinhold, because I tend to ramble on when I talk. Oh, is that bit. actually
0: your Instagram handle?
1: It, it literally is, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. So you, can go,
1: you can go there, and then, uh, yeah, the Appalachian Adventure Company uh, on Instagram, too. That's kind of the, uh, again, the company I kind of started to uh, to not just be an individual in the outdoor industry, to... Uh, you know, to be in an organization and uh, have a little bit more of a professional side of things, and now I've got a, a few close friends that work with me. So that's a yeah, really, really cool organization and good way to follow along.
0: That's awesome, and I'll link all of that in the episode description as well as some information uh, about the Plastic Impact Alliance and how you can join their efforts as well. So thanks for taking the time to chat today, Stephen. It was really, it was really fun.
1: Awesome, Meg. I really appreciate you. Uh, Proud of what you're doing, and best of luck with Outdoor Minimalist.
0: I just want to say thank you again to Stephen for coming on the show and rambling away with me today. So I hope that you enjoyed the conversation because I had a lot of fun. I'm going to be linking a few of the resources that Stephen mentioned in the episode notes, so if any of those companies piqued your interest, or you want to learn more about the plastic impact alliance that we discussed, then check those out there. And until next time, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, let me know. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can still find me on Instagram at outdoor.minimalist.book. Follow there for daily updates, other educational resources, and to help build an outdoor community with the shared goal to create a better outdoor space as we recreate.